some of them a little more seriously than others are like, I'm waiting for my letter from Hogwarts. And it's like, okay, I think you're a little deep in the sauce now, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So why... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is a journey that you must do. It's work that you have to put in on your own, but we will come alongside you to encourage you, challenge you, and to entertain you with some mildly well-written jokes when we write them. Most of the time, it's just off the cuff, and those are hit or miss. Crash and burn. Crash and burn. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, and we cannot do the Salty Pastor podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. Welcome, everybody. Glad you're here today. We just appreciate all of our regular listeners uh, that you're here. This is uh, our opportunity to help you know what you believe and why you believe it, the clarification of your upstream values. And once mm. you figure out, man, what are my really clear core values, everything else in life downstream tends to fall into place. I was listening to a guy talk about how, man, when we get right in the upstream, he didn't use that term. You use core values. When we get those things right, most of our problems go away. They just go away. Yes. And so that's really what we want to do is we're here doing this to help you get your problems to go away. We want you to have a, a strength, a courage, a confidence, that surpasses all understanding and guides and leads you through all of the ups and downs of life. Life is incredibly chaotic. It's very difficult. There's a lot of problems. The potential for tragedy is huge. Things not going well, huge and just outright randomness of things happening, bad things happening to people all the time. And then you add on top of that uh, conflict and misunderstanding. And I mean, it just goes on and on and on. It's amazing that any two people can get along for five minutes. Mm. And so uh, due to that, the stronger you are, the more you know what your core values are, then what's going to happen is most of your problems and the impact of all this chaos in this world goes away. Because you know who you are, you're a rock in the midst of the storm. It's not a problem. You're anchored. And so that's why we do the the Salty Pastor. That's why we spend time studying scripture. And then on Thursdays, we always try to apply it to real life situations. And so we're in this new series called At the Movies. And it is one of my favorites, mostly just because I love movies. We, I love movies so much that uh, Zach and Chase and I have started a movie podcast. Yes, <laughs> that'll be we it. Love movies. I love so it. I love that's it. That's debuting very soon. Um, but uh, we're excited for that. It's called Real Steak, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And addressing things like we were talking about with Spider-Man yep. no, um, this week. We're, we're focused on Spider-Man this week. Um, on Tuesday, we discussed how there's actually been eight Spider-Man movies, live-action movies, that yes. have been played by three different actors, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland. And, um, you know, you had a whole plethora of Spider-Man movies you could have picked from, but you chose the last one because you get to talk about all three Spider-Mans. Yeah. <laughs> I get all of them. That covers them all. Yeah, it was really quite a, a unique storyline and how they brought everybody back. And, you know, it's really interesting, this story that's it's so applicable today because it's awesome. It's an awesome story. But the on another level, it's really confusing. And that's kind of what I wanted to dig in today. And 
the the awesome part of it is what we talked about on Tuesday, and that is the archetype is based on an unequivocal biblical principle, mm. and that is the notion is no matter how hard we try in and of ourselves, we'll never find affirmation in of our of ourselves. We must be in a way born again. Spider Man is a story of what happens when a, a nerdy, socially awkward introvert grew up without parents, and he's a teenager is in essence born again when he's bit by this radioactive spider and then develops all these super powers. And then what happens through the entire storyline and all the comic books and all the things written is he has to work out what his superpower means for his life. And in this really reflects what it means to follow Jesus. You know, once you're born again, you have to work out the implications of this transformational change called salvation that's happened in your life and all the power of God, which now comes into your life. You have to work it out mm. and it dramatically impacts your relationships. And so uh, this, this kind of one of these things in this last movie in particular, the whole entire moral dilemma is that his secret identity uh, has been revealed and then it has a huge impact on his friends and family. So who he is with them and in society and the super power that he has now come together and creates all this chaos in their life. And I can tell you this much, if you have been living in a way that is away from God, dead in your trespasses and sins, and then you're born again, you're made alive, it's going to dramatically impact all of your relationships. And even after you've been a follower redeemed of Christ for a long, long time, it's going to dramatically impact your relationships. Uh, it's always going to do that. It's always going to be uh, a price, a sacrifice to follow Christ in regards. Jesus addresses this when, uh, his, uh, half brothers come and say, Hey, you need to come home. You're acting a little crazy. And Jesus says to the people around him, well, this is my family. These are mm -hmm. my brothers and my sisters. This is my family now. So the entire moral dilemma that he has is how do I figure out how to undo the past where this bad guy frames me for something I didn't do. So he's falsely accused and then he's attacked as being a menace. And, and so it creates all this controversy and his friends then lose a, a lot of, uh, opportunity in their own life because they just know him. So the underlying premise is the basis for all dramatic tension in the movie. And it's also what brings about kind of the moral center of the character. That's what he's struggling with. Yeah. And we see something very interesting in this version of Spider-Man. Um, the, the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield versions of, of it focused mostly on almost no one ever knew his identity. Correct. And if it was someone, it was almost only specifically the romantic love interest, right? Yes. Like, so the Mary Jane or, or, um, the Gwen, Gwen Stacy, yeah. um, but in this one, they've put so much more emphasis on his friend group around him knowing it. I mean, yes. all of the Avengers obviously know it. They, they've revealed their identities to each other. But you have Ned, this, this funny comic yeah. relief character who knows. You have MJ, who's obviously the romantic interest. But Happy knows as well, his Aunt May. So his, his network of people that actually know and support him in his endeavor to do good is much wider in this version yes. with Tom Holland. So then... 
when we skip to the end and he has to make a choice about what he's willing to give up, he's had, he's experienced this life of being able to do all these amazing things with the support of everyone around him Correct. versus having to do it all alone. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yeah. that's why it's so heartbreaking when we get to that point where he yeah. has to make a sacrifice and say, I'm willing to give up. And that's the whole reason the the spell goes all wrong is because he doesn't want to give up those people who know who are there Correct. to support him, his safety Correct. net. He chooses, he's like, oh, I want, you know, Dr. Strange is making the spell and there's this whole comedic thing where he's like, well, I want this person to still remember and this person and this person and this person. He doesn't want to lose those connections. Correct. And that's the whole reason it spirals out of control. Yeah, and I, I think that's what's really amazing uh, because what happens is it creates this moral tension, right? And mm-hmm. it creates this... Uh, this, he's wrestling through this, you know, but it's interesting because, you know, when you talk, you mentioned the spell and all this kind of stuff is that, is that what I don't like about the movie is the mechanics of how the story is told because people may not realize this, but this is a hundred percent pagan. What? No, there's no way. Yes. It's a hundred percent pagan. <laughs> Many people have wondered how did the Romans create such a powerful empire, right? While being pagan believe in all the guys. Well, I hate to tell everybody this, but the Marvel universe is hundred percent pagan. It's I, basically I paganism. Guessed. Yeah. It's a, it's a one-to-one causal link. Um, it's a perfect representation of the lens through which the Romans viewed reality. So to be a first century Roman, all you would need to do is actually believe that the superhuman, uh, that superheroes in the Marvel universe are actually real. That's all you got to do is that Mm. they're actually real people. So, you know, Tom Holland is really Peter Parker. And when you watch it on the movie, it's incredibly what? Realistic. It's so realistic. And And then it bleeds over because in the movie, who's his love interest? It's played by what? Uh, Zendaya. Zendaya. And in real life, who is Peter Par- uh, Tom Holland dating? Zendaya. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, that see is how, a trend that happens, actually. Yeah. The, the Peters and the MJs do tend to actually date each other in real life afterwards. Spider-Man so, brings love yes, together, I guess. I guess so. But what's interesting about it is, is that so even us, we have this temptation to think it's real. And it's not a stretch. Because, you know, I was thinking about Star Wars, you know, when Star Wars came out, there were a bunch of people who actually believed that the force is real. And there's even a Jedi religion today. You can join the Jedi church. I mean, there's Harry Potter was when I was growing up, Harry Potter came out. People were like, some of them a little more seriously than others are like, I'm waiting for my letter from Hogwarts. And it's like, okay, I think you're a little deep in the sauce now, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So why is, so, so what's, what's interesting is that. Uh, let's put all that aside for just a second. Okay. Let's just put aside, you know, this paganism and so forth. Let's put all that in a bunker for a minute and talk about the particular implications of Peter Parker struggling with what has happened to him and its effect on those who really care about him. Because once his secret identity is revealed, he and his friends lose their chance to go to a college, right? They all get rejected. And then what he does is, if you're not familiar with the story, he goes to Doctor Strange. And what's really interesting is Doctor Strange represents uh, kind of, it's, it's fascinating, but I think Doctor Strange represents mathematics, okay. you know, in the story. And, and he is the legalistic person. So he's like, you got to follow the rules. Right. He's a, he's a rule keeper in a lot of ways. And so uh, what happens is, he goes to him, and then, as you said, this spell goes wrong because, you know, of course, you know, I don't know if you're a manager. I, I, 
I was just thinking that, well, if they would have just had like a planning conversation five yeah, minutes before. Through it. Well, and it's like you even see that by the end where it's like he finally gets the spell under control and he's like, did you even try going and talking to the dean of admissions? He's like, I can do that. And he's like, you had me come to change and wipe the world's memory before you went to step one, which is you asked them to have a meeting. Yeah, exactly. So, so the mechanics of the story are a little silly, but what happens is because it goes terribly wrong, the way it goes wrong, which I find is interesting is it brings into this reality where he's living every bad guy from every movie. Everyone that knew his secret identity, basically. So all the bad guys come back to into this movie, you know, and um, from all three Spider-Mans. And and then he's like, well, how can I set this right? How can I make this right? So now he realizes, gosh, in my youth and and, and Dr. Strange, when he's talking to him, he goes, you know, uh, I know we fought, you know, in this big end game thing, the Avengers Infinity War and end game and all that kind of stuff he goes. Sometimes I forget you're just a kid. Mm. And, and so he, what happens is he's now in the situation where I want to make it right. So he just, he wants to send them all back. All the right? villains, back. all the villains back. He goes, okay, we've got this new thing. I just press this button on this box and in, uh, it's always a button on a box, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I'm a guffin. <laughs> and so what happens is as soon as I press this button on this box, everybody's going to go back to their old reality. The problem is, is that in all the other movies, because of their evil taint, it kills them. Yes. You know, so all of these bad guys die because of their own evil, right? Yes. It's they reap what they sow. They visited upon themselves. And he's like, how can I do this? And what happens is one of them uh, played by that classic uh, actor who was the Green Goblin in the first one. Yes. You know, he uh, he's one. I mean, he's very, very uh, popular it's guy. Phenomenal. William Defoe, William you know, Defoe yeah. Is- and He's I remember him, actor. yeah, when he really came busted on the scene. Is he acted in a world a Vietnam movie called Platoon, and and uh, so he's been around a long time. And what happens is, is Aunt May challenges him to help instead of do what's expedient for him, mm. right? Try and help. And and I think this is the the moral issue is that for him is that I have all this capacity to help. I'm smart as well as powerful, uh, with these skills. And so do I do what's expedient for me or do I actually try to figure out a way to help these guys? Right. What is right versus what is easy? Yes. What is right versus what is easy? Cause I mean, and that's really what it comes down to is like the, the quick and simple thing would be, I don't have, I don't owe these guys anything and they're obviously bad guys. So if I just get rid of them, but you know, that, that idea that is revealed that it's like, basically if he sends them back, he's sending them back to their death. Right. And aunt may really challenges him to say, you are uniquely in a position with the right skills and the right power to try to help these people. So are you going to do what's easy? Are you going to do what's right? And so she really kind of is that moral center for him, mm-hmm. or at least that, or Jiminy Cricket on his shoulder saying, well, yeah. you're still kind of a child, so I'm going to nudge you towards what you should be looking at besides yeah. just, well, my life just got hard, so I'm just going to yeah. make it go away, right? Yes. That's a very yes. childlike way of thinking of things. Yes. I don't want to deal with this anymore, so I'm just going to pretend it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and so I think that, and, 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 Peter Parker, which is part of the reason I love his character just across all versions, is he's almost always presented with this dilemma of 
I can do what is easy. Mm-hmm. I have the power to just ignore stuff. I mean, a lot of his origin stories have him going and making a bunch of money in a wrestling ring as like yes. a luchador, right? Yeah. yeah. And so it's like he could just do that, but he chooses to go out and fight crime, which is yes. harder and doesn't yeah. pay anything because yes. we constantly see him financially yeah. bare bones in yeah. a crappy Scraping apartment, by. right? And so it's like he is constantly faced with these these things which is why i like him more than batman and stuff because it's like batman i think falls into the like he doesn't hit that wall in the same way i think spider-man is always presented in a different way i mean stan lee also had a very soft spot for her for this character as well he was kind of always his favorite and i think you see that in the way he was written where it's like he's constantly struggling with this you know do i want to be with the woman i love do i want to live a normal life or can I make a difference in doing what I want? What is easy versus what is right? Yeah, and I think, you know, that's that's one of the main themes that I think is really applicable for us today. And that is, is that, you know, in, in this movie in particular, in the storyline, it's basically you can't go back and recreate the past. Mm. You can't. You can only redeem it. Yes. You know, you can only redeem it. And the, the, first, the first temptation is what? Go back and change it. Right. And then of course that brings all kinds of mess. Then the next thing is, well, walk away from it or get rid of it by sending it it back. Yeah. Just send it all back. Right. And, and so, well, you can't do that. You can't just ignore it and move forward. You have to redeem it. Yeah. And redemption is never easy. It is never the easy pass. It is the most difficult thing that you ever do. And we live in an era today when, if you translate this a little bit over to, uh, to American society is all redemption or the attempt to, to even work in redemption is all but gone. Uh, particularly with the utmost upstream community of faith in all society is the church, you know, that belongs to God and Jesus Christ. And so the pressure on churches today are really phenomenal. And that is, is that they tend to be one of two extremes. And that is the first thing is that you must be permissive. Right. And that is the concept that, well, because God loves everyone, therefore we love everything. Right. You know, so we love everything about people. So if you think you're a furry, which is a thing now, and and you want to identify as a cat, then, well, God loves you because he created you that way. Right. This, of course, is an absolute perversion of reality, and it's a perversion of truth, you know, because you can't be a cat, you know, it doesn't work that way. So th- this notion is, is that, well, we're going to be permissive. And the reason why we're permissive is because we want people to experience the love of God. And if they're offended, then they won't experience the love of God. But the premise on which that is built is false. And that is you can't experience the love of God unless you come to terms with the reality of who and what you are. Right. Until you do that, you're never going to experience the love of God. And most people avoid that. Uh, it's a, it's a psychological damage to admit the fact that, you know what, when you really strip it away, I'm pretty unlovable, Mm. you know, because I am a sinful person. Right. You know, and Paul said this to Timothy goes, look, it's a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance that Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. 
So he didn't say, I used to sin. He's saying, I am the foremost of sinners. Uh, if you read in Romans, Paul talks about this as he goes, you know, I, I know what I want to do and the way I want to live, but I end up doing the opposite of that. Mm. Even though I don't want to do it, I, I, I'm doing it anyway. What's wrong with me? I'm, who will deliver me from this uh, wretched body of death? What a statement that is. So, so we know that this challenge, you know, Peter Parter's trying to work out this incredible thing that's happened to him. We're trying to work that out. We're not perfect. So we always have to walk the path of redemption and being permissive steals that because what it does is it convinces you there's nothing wrong with you. Well, actually there is, but then the second side of it is, well, I'm going to become uh, very legalistic. And that is, well, if somebody makes a mistake and then what you're going to do uh, is you're going to say, well, the most important thing in this is justice. And so we're going to judge that person and make them pay for their sin. We want, we want retribution. And, you know, the Bible speaks very clearly about this. It says, you know, retribution is the Lord's, you know, it's not yours. It's up to God. You got to let God do it. And so I think it's really important to understand, like sometimes conflicts arise, uh, when conflicts arise, people appeal to legalism to resolve them. And so I think, you know, we see that a little bit, you know, in this situation with Peter Parker. Right. And we see, you know, there's a character saying, you got to follow the rules. You got to do it. I don't care. You know, he's like, I don't care about saving these other people. I don't care about any of this other stuff. Well, we see that with Dr. Strange, right? Dr. Yeah. Strange is kind of this legalistic mindset. Like his character as a whole kind of punches back against rules, but in certain things, he's very yes. strict. And in this specific instance, Peter's like, well, these guys don't seem so bad or they're going to die if you send them back. And he's right. like, I don't care. Their life is their life. They right. need to go back. There's no redemption. There's no redemption, right? He he basically lays down the law of they don't belong here. Whatever they chose to do is their fault. And if they are going to die when they go back, then that's on them. That's not my problem, basically, is how Dr. Strange does it. While Peter's basically like, well, but... I know. And he, and you know, that ensues into a whole fight over the cube to send them back yes, because yes. Peter starts kind of feeling this like responsibility to try to help, help them, them. Right. But then when it gets hard, he needs Aunt May to kind of further push him down that track. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, it's easy to think that to start, but then you get down the track a little ways and you're like, Oh, this is kind of harder than I thought it was going to be. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Right. Yeah. Um, but Dr. Strange does, I think, represent that legalistic view very well, where it's like, there's no redemption for them. Just send them back. Whatever happens to him happens to him. Yeah. He's trying to just in his, his commitment is not bad. I mean, his right. mission is basically, well, the universe is out of order and I got to get it reordered. Right. right. It's not, it's not a personal thing. It's just, yeah. they don't belong here. So and, and, and that's what's really interesting is because, you know, churches are, are pushed to either be permissive or to be legalistic. And the only real mission of the church is redemption. It always has been. It always will be. The goal is to try and help, uh, but to help in the right way. Permissiveness, as I said before, removes all possibility of redemption because it removes anything to be redeemed from. You know, there's nothing to be redeemed from. 
It ignores the danger of the problem. On, and so what was interesting is you see the flaw in his plan is he, he thinks, well, just because I'm compassionate and I'm telling these guys I want to help them and I've convinced them it's all going to work out. So they all take him back to his apartment so he can, or that place where he can start working on stuff, right? Right. And then what happens is, of course, there's a Judas in every situation, right? Yep. And the Judas in this one was the Green Goblin gets taken over again. And, yep. and uh, he was the one who actually convinced him to try to help. Right. You know, isn't that interesting? And then he creates all this mayhem and long and short of it is he, he wants to help, but because he, he, uh, underestimates, you know, uh, the problem and overestimates compassion. Like as, as long as my intent's good, it'll work out. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, no, it, it doesn't. Um, and it creates even more mayhem. And then what it does is I think for the church is that the church needs to want to help, but it has to help in the right way. Right. And so it can't be permissive and it can't be legalistic because legalistic doesn't believe in redemption either way, because it only focuses on justice. Like, well, this uh, universe is out of order and we got to get it back. It doesn't matter. You know, whatever their story is. And, and so there's truth to you reap what you sow, right? There's right. truth to that. But what's really interesting is that part of these bad guys, like uh, uh, Jamie Foxx plays the electric, electro, electro, you know, what happened to him? He tripped and fell into a vat, Yes. you know, by, so it was an accident that yep. turned him into that. And then the other guy, Sandman's who, just wanting to get back to his family. Yeah. That's and like, he got caught in that experiment. Right. Yes. And then you look at, uh, uh, the doctor that turns into the lizard, you know, yep. all he wanted to do was help, uh, amputees grow back limbs, right. you know, but it went too far too fast and, and made him go bad. And Dr. Ock, you know, he was controlled to, by the, the arms, but the he was AI. trying to develop sustainable yeah. energy, energy to save the planet, or save what? the planet or whatever. So, so these guys, uh, started out with good intent, but something bad happened and got them off track. And, th and that's, what's really interesting is I think that, that, that in a way reflects the, the nature of humanity. And that is, is that we're created in the image of God, right? And our, mm. we start in the, we have dreams and desires and things that can be remotely good within us, but we live in a world filled with sin, filled with all of these things. And what happens is, uh, we become sinners and we get off track and that kills us. And so we have to be born again. We have to come back. And, and then we initially experience redemption in our lives. Legalism is not interested in redemption. Permissive removes the potential for redemption. So we go from death to life. And then what happens is the entire rest of our journey with Jesus is taking off the old and putting on the new. Mm. It's a constant path of redemption by walking the path of repentance. And so it's really fascinating that to me that one of the difficulties is that we try, we, we fall into this, uh, capacity of we help in the wrong way or we refuse to help. And what that does is that removes the mission of the church with at its core is to be redemptive in nature by introducing people to Jesus Christ. Well, and it seems to me like redemption always requires some sort of sacrifice, right? In yes. the end, the only way Peter can reverse what's happened and fix it and redeem this whole situation is for everyone to forget that Peter Parter Parker exists. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we see that in every hero's journey. We talked a little bit about this on Tuesday. There's always yes. some sort of sacrifice that has to happen um, or, or a choice to make an active walk towards 
that redemption or that that um, victory that yes. they're looking for. And it always requires some sort of choice or sacrifice from the hero to make it through that long, dark night of the soul. And we see this in every Spider-Man. There's always a sacrifice or there's always a loss that they have to endure in order to make the next step to who they're meant to be. Yes. That fully fulfilled Spider-Man, Peter Parker combo, right? Yeah, and I, you know, it's really interesting because at the end of this movie, he tells... Uh, you know, he, he's talking to Dr. Strange, who's trying to fix the problem. And he says, well, what if you do a different spell where everybody forgets me completely? And he goes, well, but everybody will forget you. You know, you'll be basically wiped off the face of the earth and everybody's mind. And he says, just go do it. And so then he goes down, he says goodbye to his brothers, the other Spider-Men. And then he goes and talks to Ned and MJ. And they're like, wait, wait, that can't be an option. He goes, it's the only way. He goes, and then he says this, he goes, look, I'll come and find you and I'll make you remember. Mm. And they said, okay, you promise? He says, I promise. And then what happens is they uh, basically do this thing and everybody forgets. And then it switches over to him and he's written this uh, speech, right? And he's going to go into the donut shop where MJ is and he's going to tell her, uh, you know, and make her remember, right? And so he goes in there and he's talking to her and he pulls the speech out and he's about, she goes, is there something else you need? And he's about ready to read it. And then she brushes her hair back. And earlier in the battle, she had gotten cut right above her right eye. And so she was kind of bleeding and he sees a bandaid there mm. and he asks about it and she goes, Oh, it's nothing. And then she says this, she says, it doesn't hurt anymore. Mm. And some switch kind of clicks in his mind in that moment. You kind of see it real quick he basically is like realizing, you know, she got that cut because she knew me. She knew who I was. And so he switches from, I want to be in a relationship with her to, I must protect her. And so she says, is there anything else you need? He goes, no. And he folds up the speech and he puts it in his pocket and walks away. And it's very similar to the very first Spider-Man movie with Toby, with Toby Maguire. And uh, is it Kirsten Dunst? Kirsten, yes. Kirsten Dunst. And she's playing MJ. And throughout the whole movie, he is super pining for her. You know, he's so in love with her. And, and, uh, at the end of the movie, he's standing in front of uncle Ben's headstone and she walks up and she says, you know, when I, when, at the, when I thought I was going to die, the only person I was thinking of is you, Peter Parker. And she doesn't know he's Spider-Man. And she says, you're the one I love. She professes her love for him, which is the thing he has dreamed about his entire life. Right. And she reaches up, she kisses him. And then he says this, he says, I, I desired more than anything else to tell her how much I loved her. But what he does is he rejects her. Mm and says, I can't reciprocate. He says, I'll always be there to take care of you, but I can't, you know, reciprocate basically. And so she's devastated. And then he turns around and he walks away. And then he basically says at the end of that movie, he says, this is my blessing. This is my curse. Who am I? I am Spider-Man. Yes. And what's, what that, that does is it just shows that the path of redemption or the path of anything, the hero's journey always requires these massive sacrifices, mm -hmm. right? Now, there's all these other ways you can work around it and sequels always, you know, so now the younger generation is like, oh, it's no big deal. They'll work it out in the next movie. But what's really interesting is I think is that you, that is true and you need to think about your sacrifice. But ultimately, I think if you want to live and walk in redemption as a human being, 
and follow God, you're going to have to figure out what your sacrifice is and then be willing to pay it. Mm, absolutely. I think that is something we can all walk away with because yes. I mean, we're called to be part of the world, but not of it. Right. And Correct. so that's going to require us to sacrifice some things that we think we want or need in our lives, similar to what Peter mm -hmm. has to sacrifice mm -hmm. things that he wants or needs in his life that he might have to give up. So um, thank you for sharing all that with us, Pastor Doug. We're out of time for today's, but um, I think um, this movie specifically speaks to a lot of people. It's something that's current and and a lot of our younger listeners have probably seen it, older listeners. Um, and so I think it gives us something to to interface with these thoughts that are sometimes a little more abstract in the Bible. And it gives us a, a representation that we can understand yes, in a different way. And I think that's what the goal of this whole series is, is to look at mm -hmm. movies in a way that will help reveal some of the truths that, that scripture has been saying for thousands yeah, of years. And it helps right? you understand what you believe and why you believe it. Cause it gives you a real a situation case study in which to work that out. Absolutely. So thank you guys so much for joining us. Make sure you tune in on Sunday where you'll get the opportunity to hear Pastor Doug talk more on Spider-Man. We've got um, some more thoughts that he wants to share with us and um, it's going to be great. So thank you mm -hmm. so much. And we'll see you on Sunday here at Foothills Christian Church. Blessings.